1: It's the week of Friday, July 22nd, 2016. My name is Jesse Carey, and I am the uh, uh, temporary fill-in host for the Relevant Podcast. Cameron Strang, our normal host, is on vacation this week. But thankfully, uh, we, we have a, a full cast here with yeah, this us. This is like when uh, Joan Rivers used to step in for, for Johnny Carson. <laughs> Joining us on the Skype line
2: from Portland, Oregon, Joy Egrich.
3: Present read this is the first time i tried to go first
2: you didn't get her name right and this sounds like we're on a zoo morning show but keep going i, I feel like you've started off on the wrong thing. yeah do we have like sound effects like
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> a little clown whore wah, wah, wah. Uh, uh you may have hear, heard those other voices uh on the sky as well we have adam smith joining us from australia hey guys
5: I don't know what that was. that was That was overly exuberant I'm sorry
2: Well, it's a zoo morning show You do what you want There's no <laughs> such thing as over And we're back <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brad Phillips
1: <laughs> Hi, Handsome Dan That's a Wayne's World record A very good one If, you, if you're wondering And and finally, in the Orlando studios We have uh, behind the board Chandler Strang And last but not least Eddie Big Cat Say hi, guys
6: Hey, what's
2: oh. up, dude? I don't know. I'm trying to do my morning voice, to figure out my, my vibe. Jesse, that was a great intro. You're doing a really good job. Have you hosted before?
1: I, You know, I, I may have hosted one episode uh, back in the day. I can't remember, to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure it was well, scrubbed um, from the archives for reasons that are now apparent, though. Because we've had, we've had <laughs> Kiki host We've
5: hosted one episode that was actually recorded, uh, but after every taping,
1: he... Uh, hosts his own episode in his room with yeah. his stuffed animal friends.
4: <laughs> yeah, With,
1: a, with a, a microphone I made out of a toilet paper roll. It's,
2: it's a lot of fun. <laughs> with your first slice, uh, we've got Mr. Bear. Bear, uh, what's going on in the world this week?
6: <laughs> All right. uh, well, speak up! Re- speak up! a <laughs> yeah,
1: well, really great show for you and, and it's brought to you today by again the country of israel that's right Uh, israel wants to encourage people to come visit and see all the incredible stuff there if you've been thinking about taking your adventure to the next level the israel ministry of tourism is inviting you to experience israel for yourself there are tons of things to do in israel i think i know you guys talked about this last week but has anyone on the line been to israel
3: yes i'm going in two weeks
1: adam have you been to israel
2: Adam, you've never been to Israel, right? You've never been to anywhere except for Orlando and Australia. Is that correct? That's right. Those yeah. are the the
1: only two places I've ever been. <laughs> and I actually, I actually haven't even been anywhere in between those two places, even in transit. Well, well, Adam, I'm going to suggest your next trip to you. Uh, uh, Israel, because there are lots of things to see and do there. In addition to all the incredible history there, uh, especially for people who uh, have read the Bible, you can see where Jesus walked. You can uh, visit all of the, the Old Testament, New Testament sites. But there's also a lot of culture going on there. You can take a beach, uh, hit hit a cruise on the Mediterranean, go to the beach, uh, visit the Dead Sea. Also, the food in Israel is incredible. You can do like a food tour in Israel alone.
3: That's actually the only reason I'm going in a few weeks.
1: <laughs> what 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 <laughs> will be the, the main food that you sample while you're there in Israel?
3: Oh, um, I love like their... Their breakfast platters always have, I, don't, I feel like we don't usually have vegetables at breakfast and they always have fresh fruit and vegetables and like dips. I love sauces are like my second favorite food. So they have like tzatziki and hummus and all those good.
2: But you've brought up uh, an interesting point that I'd like to camp on for 20 ish minutes. Um, <laughs> and I'd like to talk about dip viscosity because like a, uh, a light watery kind of salsa, like I need that out of my home, but like a nice yeah. thick, full hummus now that is what I'm talking about. That's yeah. why I'd like to go to Israel.
1: Well, I was going to say, that's the great thing. There, there's crazy good foods in Israel. There's also a lot of art studios and art museums. There's a great art culture there. Uh, the, obviously, museums. There's fashion shows. There's tons to do and see. It's cheaper and safer than you've ever imagined. And we want to encourage people to go to Israel. travel. That's the website to discover a site of Israel you've never seen before. A really cool uh, place to go. I was on the website yesterday. I don't have any uh, immediate travel plans, but I've always wanted to go to Israel. If you've ever thought about it, if you go to Israel.travel, it will entice you to book your trip very quickly. It's a very cool site and there's lots to do there. So uh, check it out and thank you to Israel.travel for sponsoring the show today. On the show... Switchfoot frontman John Foreman joins us to discuss the five songs that changed his life. I really like this segment because you get to know the songwriter a little. So he'll be on with us later. And then also Jeremy Courtney, the founder of the the organization Preemptive Love. He comes on to talk to us about the situation in Iraq. There's a lot been going on over there. Um, You know, I know uh, headlines domestically uh, have been, you know, filled with with things, you know, involving politics and different, uh, uh, you know, news events happening here. But he's going to catch up on uh, some of the recent events in Iraq, uh, where the country is headed, and how you can help the organization. So great show. Oh, good. All of that is coming up. But first, I want to uh, just talk about last week for a second.
2: Yeah, it was a interesting show. It was the first show that I've ever been on that Jesse wasn't on. And I got to tell you, it was a great show. <laughs> um, it was a really nice change of pace I,
1: I was I was on vacation last week so I was not on the show but the, the the that's because days prior I had been uh you know trapped in the cage as they say uh uh I I did the I did an event where uh it was the follow-up to the nickelback challenge and this one I watched uh Nicholas cage movies for 24 hours consecutively yep. and I I, I want to say because I didn't get an opportunity to Thank you to everyone who donated. Seriously, because we raised like $30,000, or they raised $30,000. That's incredible amount of money. That's That's nuts. Yeah. It was it was a harrowing experience, but here's here's the here's why it gave me pause because you know two years ago it was the Nickelback or last year was the Nickelback challenge listening to Nickelback for a week straight. This year was trapped in the cage where I had to watch Nicolas Cage movies for twenty
2: four hours Got to watch Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah, I had the privilege of watching <laughs>
1: <laughs> the. Here here's what makes me nervous. I feel like the bar is going to be raised for next year's fundraiser for and charity. Things water. are escalating. Yeah, it's really like
2: escalating. all that's left is like. Like body mutilation, or something like well, you're gonna have to get, like, uh, I don't know,
3: <laughs> like I feel a like tattoo. I'm totally fine with oh, the escalation no. as long as Eddie and I don't have to get involved.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I support as crazy as this gets as long as I can show up for 20 minutes and leave. <laughs> and I just like to be Mr. Mayor in
3: this situation. <laughs> if I can tune in on YouTube, I'm good to go, <laughs> right?
1: Can I tell you the only thing that I could think of that would like up the ante? And it would kind of stay in the same vein of like the culture that we have to immerse ourselves in uh, for these challenges to work, you know, going from Nickelback. Wait, wait, uh,
2: now listen, I'm going to give you an out because you're about to basically lock yourself into yeah. next year's challenge. No, I'm job. not locking in. I'm <laughs> throwing no. this
1: out there because I want the no. feedback of
2: everyone on right now. Mark my words. Somebody mark this. Jesse's about to announce what he's doing next year. I think year. Jesse's
3: <laughs> addicted to it. I think he likes it. No, trust <laughs> me. I, I, it's a high. All
2: right, say what you're going to say. I enjoy the community. I, I'm glad that we raised
1: money, but uh, you know, the, the actual challenges are, are you know get pretty... Uh, you know, pretty intense. But the the only thing, so going from Nickelback to Nicholas Cage, like what could possibly come back on that cultural spectrum? And the only thing that I can think of is, and, and I don't know because this is actually putting my physical health at risk here, is <laughs> a challenge called Lost in Flavor Town. And it's where I am forced to eat nothing but Guy Fieri
2: branded foods. Oh, there's
1: a Guy
3: Fieri restaurant right next to us.
2: Yeah. Is that what
3: you mean by branded food or does he have his own food line? I think he's got
1: frozen
5: foods too. Oh, (laughs) Um, and that, that really takes it up a notch. That's not even. Fresh Guy Fieri food. It's frozen Guy Fieri food.
1: But by next year, there's actually a Guy Fieri restaurant opening <laughs> in town, so
2: <laughs> so you can eat at any Guy Fieri brand. Now, what about diners, drive-ins, and dives?
1: No, no, it has to be either at one of his restaurant or. And I think he has. I think he's got like you know, like Jimmy Buffett has like Margaritaville, uh, you know, fish sticks or whatever. I think he has frozen. If not, I have to eat every meal at a Guy Fieri restaurant. <laughs>
5: okay, <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm I'm going to say this right now. Jesse, I will personally pledge $500 (laughs) if one of these appetizers is fed to you, baby bird style, by Guy (laughs) Fieri.
2: Okay, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you. I was in New Smyrna Beach this past weekend with my family. And, you know, like, we're just having quite a time at the beach. The girls go to bed early, and we're stuck in this condo, and it's lovely, but we're just watching, like, cable because we don't have cable at home. So we're just watching whatever's on cable. And there was a diner's drive-ins and dives. Um, marathon and like I ended up being like I'll watch a couple of minutes of this and like three hours later I kind of think I like Guy Fieri right like he seems like
5: a pretty cool dude Guy Fieri fellow is a delight like he seems
2: like a really nice fella I'm a little vexed by his choice of hair and like clothing and jewelry aesthetic yeah like his whole aesthetic gets me but I'm like cool dude right
1: I mean, I think, I will say this, like, if I were to hang out with either Nicolas Cage, Chad Kroger, or Guy Fieri, well, I'd probably (laughs) choose Nicolas Cage just because I think he would end up with the best stories, but I think (laughs) Guy Fieri would be the most normal dude, but I feel like he is the, uh, like, culinary version of... Of Nickelback or
2: Nicholas Cage, I'm not. Yeah, I I, not it is what it is. I'm,
1: I, but I think that's I mean, fair. That's it's
2: exactly terrible. right because <laughs> it's not like you're going to go to his restaurant and it's going to be like, oh, we have just a uh, we have just a lightly uh, roasted goose with a with just kind of a subtle note of whatever. Now, you know Kinda, what you
1: get at his? It, it's, it's piles the, of gravy. It, it's the bodacious buffalo burger with extra donkey sauce, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's it's it's
5: served to you by like slapping you in the face with it. <laughs> oh my
4: gosh. Well,
3: that's what I'm so curious about is because his restaurants, he's been to a few around here in Portland and the one near us is is like, he leaves his mark by spray painting his image on their wall. Have you seen that? That's, <laughs> How, so large? That's like his mark How large that is he there?
1: defacing their
2: wall? It is about, what? it's about a foot, I mean, I'm about 18 inches high by about a foot wide and it is a stencil of his face.
3: <laughs> it's like he has like a couple different stencils that they do like layers so it'll be like the neon orange and then like another layer with silver and then he signs his name but it's like the restaurant it is like this industrial very portlandy looking thing and then you like in your peripheral see this like neon graffiti and it's Guy Fieri's face staring back at you.
1: It's really a Faustian bargain that they're making because they get on TV but they have to be they have <laughs> yeah. to have like a bank uh, um,
3: yeah yeah
5: and i feel like a, a guy theory meal is as close as you can come the experience of it is tantamount to being shot in the face with the fire hose of buffalo
2: wing sauce <laughs> that's actually again, a-
1: again again i i believe i believe he only has donkey sauce
2: yeah and i believe <laughs> that- joy <laughs>
1: since you're a big sauce person this this challenge may be more up your alley because I think everything yeah. that he serves is drenched in this. I stuff.
3: actually, I, truth be told, for claiming for having about twenty different sauces in my fridge, I don't know what donkey sauce is.
5: No one does. <laughs> okay, imagine imagine buffalo wing sauce, but with frosted tips,
1: <laughs> <laughs> with, 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 a, with a bowling shirt with flames up it. And, but but so so wow, all so I've been thinking a lot, but again, if I do that, I feel like these other ones like have been psychological. This is a physical endurance challenge because I think my bot it'll be like Morgan it's kind of a Morgan Spurlock thing. Um but <laughs> I, I think you know, if exactly I did it for like, like a, two weeks or something, eyes. I literally think my, the tips of my hair would be frosted halfway <laughs> in, even though I would not have touched it with any sort of hair I product. Just,
3: I just imagine if they did a video montage of this, like the last scene would be you slowly walking across a parking lot and we see you from behind and you just have a, a Pepto-Bismol bottle like hanging in your hand. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but Eddie is right here. that it, it, it is bizarre, Jesse, that you've been able to identify these seemingly disparate things that somehow it's like you, you've stumbled across the the world's most disturbing Venn diagram.
1: Right.
5: You're you're, you're occupying a space just directly in the middle of it. Right.
1: That's why I'm scared. That's why like, it's not next year that scares me. It's three years from now.
2: Right. No, that's right. Yeah.
1: Like, like how deep, how deep does this rabbit hole go guys? You know this is going to end with one me dying in it, right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) But it's for Charity Water.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to keep this uh, this uh, train trucking down the tracks here. I love this. We're going to. I
6: love most. You like
1: that transition? <laughs> I do. <laughs> you're such run a good a, a tight ship. I feel Chelsea. like
3: you went two weeks ago. You were a brother. You went on vacation. Now you're dad.
1: Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. Well, I mean, And I just I just botched a metaphor. There's no truck going down the tracks. That makes no sense. Yeah. So, train gonna, going on down the highway. I'm going to keep this locomotive <laughs> moving. I mean, it's already a runaway train of disaster, but uh, it's uh, right. only going to get worse. From here. all right so next up we have our look at uh, what's going on in entertainment and culture it's time for in
6: case you missed it
1: okay so uh, how much time do you guys think you uh spend watching netflix right now just real quick around the table
2: oh i would st- oh like a day yeah 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 on any given day an hour, I would say. Um, I watch something every evening. I don't, I don't yeah, have Netflix with,
5: without being interrupted by a baby. Like six minutes,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Joy. What about you? How how often do you watch Netflix?
3: I feel like I'll go for a long time with not, and then I I binge. Yeah.
1: Well, so, well, they yeah. are trying to figure out a way to keep people on uh, the site or keep coming back if they're not uh, someone who regularly watches it. Uh, you know, for hours at a time. They just released a new feature this week, in case you missed it, called Flix Tape which allows people to make custom shareable playlists like a mixtape. So basically, oh, you can oh, go in uh, uh, in your Netflix account now, create a Flix Tape mix, and you don't even have to pick all of the titles. What you do is you just kind of pick uh, uh, what mood you're in or what genre you like or just uh, some keywords. They'll populate a playlist, and you can insert things in and out and share them with your friends in an effort to make it even more addictive. I, I personally used to exchange mixtapes all the time. And, you know, if someone gave me like a curated list of like the best of Arrested Development or something, I think I would, you know, spend even more time wasting my life watching TV. Yeah.
3: Well, and it's probably yeah. if you share it with friends, then at least you guys are all like on the same track of what to talk about. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Gosh, I will tell you binge watching, though, like like the suggestion idea has never worked for me because I am so picky about what I'll watch like I have I feel like I have to have like five people recommend it and say that it's awesome and none of those people are people that have ever recommended anything that wasn't good and then finally like begrudgingly six months later I'll be like okay I'll watch making a murder and then it is totally <laughs> amazing
3: yeah it's really hard for me to click on anything just to like te- when people are like oh I just watched a season it was okay yeah well that doesn't make sense to me yeah no, no. thank you uh, uh, so, in case
1: you missed it, uh, the the ESPYS last week. Did you guys Did you guys watch the ESPYS? I did watch it. The, the ESPYS opened la- uh, last week with a really powerful call. Uh, it was open uh, with Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James uh, four huge NBA stars. And those are all basketball men they are they are very uh very good basketball men um and they they opened the show with a call to uh end the violence around the country and and it was it was really powerful chris paul himself is the nephew of a uh police officer uh but they're also all uh you know speaking out against injustice and police brutality and just violence in general and we have a a clip here uh if uh, chandler if you want to cue that up
7: we all feel helpless and frustrated by the violence we do That's not acceptable. It's time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to create change? It's not about being a role model. It's not about our responsibilities for the tradition of activism. I know tonight we'll honor Muhammad Ali, the GOAT, but to do his legacy any justice, let's use this moment as a call to action for all professional athletes to educate ourselves, explore these issues, speak up, use our influence, and renounce all violence. And most importantly, go back to our communities, invest our time, our resources, help rebuild them, help strengthen them, help change them. We all have to do better. Thank you.
1: That that was, that was LeBron. In case you guys didn't recognize his voice, but I think it's really cool that you know sports figures are becoming increasingly uh, important parts of the cultural dialogue, especially in times of turmoil like we've seen lately.
2: Well, and I've been in pretty impressed with the um, uh, almost the requirement of big shows like this to address the topics that are happening, and it kind of feels yeah. like I, I, you know. I, I I don't make a judgment on if they've been done better or worse, but I think I'm just grateful that it's so much a part of the cultural lexicon at this point that you have to say something and we're all doing the best we can to figure out how to lead this conversation. Well, and so like the BET awards just did an incredible job of uh, who was it? Kendrick Lamar and Beyonce opening the show.
1: Yeah. And and, uh, Jesse Williams from. Oh yeah. I mean, it was just
2: incredible, but I'm just glad that it's the, the precedence is there to like, okay, we can't say nothing. And yeah, And I thought that these guys did a a really good job respectfully and really thoughtfully opening the show.
1: Well, we saw the same thing with James Corden opening the Tonys
2: right right after
1: following the Orlando shooting because it's so... Because anything, even the Tonys, you need the award shows, the ESPYs, any of them are ultimately celebrations of... Especially sports stuff of things that are trivial, you know what I mean, and that that people turn to primarily for escapism and entertainment, but for the acknowledgement that just because that's the reason we watch sports is you know for entertainment distraction, it doesn't absolve them from acknowledging their influential role in the culture. And like you said, Eddie, I think it it does make it uh, it adds a bit of like. It ends the detachment of like, well, this is a separate thing than culture. It's like, no, we all have a role in addressing what's going on, and they did it in a way that was tastefully and respectfully, you know, respectfully done. And they, like you said, they're articulate and said some really uh, encouraging things.
3: I think it encourages people, even who might not have a platform like them, that to not say something because I don't know what to say yeah. is also hurtful.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I mean, you you can at, le- at least you know feel empowered to say, you know. To even though it may be self-evident, but you know, let's stand against this violence and let's do something together because even just those kind of gestures have power. Yeah. Um, well, in case you missed it, the uh, some other big news in, in culture this week. Speaking of uh, some of your Netflix viewing habits, "Making a Murderer" is coming back for season two.
2: Oh, now, I just read about that. How? I mean, what else is there to to say? I don't want to. Well, I guess. Well, it's, like, it's kind of like
0: um, what's that podcast that I got really popular cereal cereal Cereal. 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 coming coming back to uh (laughs) to do another season about something some other story well well this one is actually following up on the same
1: story of Stephen avery but it's going to follow his post uh conviction process because He, he, he
3: continued on right on his own. Well, are we? All- how much are we allowed to say? I anything mean, I feel you like want. Jesse doesn't care. You can spoil anything you oh, want. No. <laughs> Fast forward <laughs> no, now. I, I think
1: at this point, if you haven't seen Making a Murder, then uh, you know we we may right. spoil it. But I, we can go ahead and say, hey, Adam, have you have you seen Making a Murder? Yeah. The, the premise is, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, there was a guy, Stephen Avery, and his nephew named Brendan were convicted of a murder and, you know, there was some possibly shoddy police work and during the, the first one, you know, it, it raised all these questions about the process and if they're actually guilty or not. But since then, there's been so much interest in the case that he actually has new defense attorneys who are going through this appeal and post-conviction process uh, presenting new evidence to try to get... Uh, Brendan and and Avery uh, release. So the new series is going to follow that process. But yeah, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out tonally compared to the first one.
2: This is the hard thing a little bit with the next Netflix show because I've noticed this a few times with their programming. Like, it's like there were shows that you can tell they thought it was going to be a one-off series. Then it explodes. Then they sort of scramble to figure out like,
0: Like, what can we do now? Right, right. Exactly.
2: But like there are even drama like uh, that show Bloodline. Season one, yeah. like it yeah, ended.
5: Season one was phenomenal. It was
2: so good. Like the show's done. That's it. It was a, like a one-off mini series. Then season two is like, oh, I, I see. Now we're trying to figure out how to like weave in stuff into a story that it completely finished. That's kind of what I feel like with making a murder. It's like, it was a perfect thing. Just find a new case yeah. and yeah. do the same, but, but it's hard, impossible I, to do because they
3: been. I do feel like they could take it from the, like, I feel like I've learned so much about Our justice system by watching that, watching the O.J. Simpson thing. There's just a fascinating learning process I think Americans can do. So this appeal, maybe, I mean, obviously like the story of what happened isn't unfolding, but if they can do it in a way that engages people enough, I feel like it's a really great um, learning tool.
2: Well, Joy, the fact know. that you just disagreed with me really hurt my feelings. I'm so sorry. I'll write you an apology letter.
1: <laughs> so, so they haven't released a production date, but it's in production now because all these appeals are going on. But yeah, I mean, at the very least, I think people will tune in just to kind of get an update on, on the case. Um, but the internet kind of ruins that too, because we, we know yeah. things before we can see them on Netflix too. Right. Like if I'm interested in the case, I can just Google. Yeah, the that's the
5: there. thing is before Netflix, no one knew about this case outside of you know very 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 small sphere of people and now everyone knows about it. So what can, what kind of show you can you make that a devotee of that show hasn't already found that information on their
1: own? Exactly. Exactly. It's really going to come down to like the execution. If they can keep like the, the the pacing and kind of interesting, uh, you know, style of the first season, but, but we'll see. It'll be, it'll be out soon. The key is just make stuff up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I I also read that most of the things in season two are going to be fabricated. Right? It's, it's a work of fiction. They're actually going to bring in characters from Bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be kind of a crossover thing. Uh, so in case you missed it, finally, uh, Jeremy Cowart, the celebrity photographer yeah. uh, and activist, has launched a Kickstarter this week for uh, uh, something he's called The Purpose Hotel, which is a social justice-focused uh, hotel, where everything in uh, this, this hotel, the first one's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, um, and, and there's eventually plans to make it an, a, a chain, will go towards uh, providing for humanitarian organizations, uh, for people in need around the world. Uh, their vision is that one night stay in the hotel will elevate the lives of at least 100 people around the world. Here's a little clip of uh, Jeremy explaining it from the Kickstarter page.
8: So here is how it will work. Each room will sponsor a child's education. Every door will have a name and a story. Every aspect of your stay will help others reclaim their dignity and earn a living from the mini bar to the hand-sewn comforter, the soaps, even down to the furniture and the store in the lobby. We are making this hotel to be life-giving to the people who need it most. We think the most powerful symbol for that is a functioning charity water well in the lobby. So drink up. And of course, there will be free Wi-Fi. But if you need faster Wi-Fi, that money will fight against human trafficking. There'll be an open co-working space allowing you to collaborate and dream up even greater ideas. The hallways will be lined with the most iconic humanitarian art and photography highlighting projects happening all over the world. The conference rooms will host world changing events and gatherings, including the annual Help Portrait event. At any other hotel, you simply get a receipt showing where your money went. At the Purpose Hotel, your receipt will also show your impact on the world. So
2: what you don't hear is the visuals that are happening yeah. Um, yeah. which is like uh, like there's like little arrows and things that are pointing to, like, the bedding is made by... I forget who it is. It's somebody like Bari or somebody... But, like the keys
1: to the room right. are, like,
2: giving keys that, the, yeah, from that, the organization. Yes, yeah, yeah. so that's exactly right. And the soap is made by an organization. It's really interesting. I'm wondering what the price point for the hotel room is um, because I... I whatever it is, it's totally worth it. And I think it's cool, but I'm curious if this will appeal to like a luxury market or will like people that are traveling actually be able to choose this instead of saying, staying at like a holiday yeah. Inn or something. Because, yeah. That's
3: what I, I feel like businesses will be all about sending their employees. Yeah. Um, you know, on some level, they might be able to even write it off, but I feel like most companies are wanting to make good choices with their finances. And this is,
2: can I tell you one thing though, the co working uh, space, Oh, get me away from all those people. I don't, I, I need, <laughs> I, wa- I wanted him to say, and also there's little air, like, uh, like soundproof cubicles that no for, for, one will bother you For the you introverts in. that stay here, like yeah. Eddie Goffold. You can yeah. lock yourself in your room <laughs> and no one will talk Sound, to you.
1: Soundproof pods. <laughs> Because you, really
2: you don't really need the ideas of other people. You've got it figured
1: out. <laughs> well, it, you know, they, their goal is to raise over the next 40-odd uh, days uh, $2 million. And they've already, it's just been up like a day as of recording this. They've already raised 130000 And may I recommend to Jeremy, if he's listening right now, yes. Lost in Town. If you do, if you want <laughs> to take the Guy Fieri uh, challenge instead of me, I welcome that. Like, if he wants to commit himself to eating nothing but Guy Fairy food to raise money for this, I welcome that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I dare him. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I dare you. <laughs> I would also like to say uh, that for this week only, um, whoever will give them $1,000, I will unblock them. Um, for, f- then, So that's my contribution. <laughs> so, uh,
1: <laughs> so you can follow that at Kickstarter and learn more about it. We also have a little write-up at relevantmagazine.com. So that'll do it for in case you missed it. Next up, Slice's. You owe the love So right now you're listening to Lion from the artist Casey Hill. Uh, I have no quick... Does anyone have a pun they can make there? <laughs> a Lion by Casey Hill? <laughs> that's the only. That's the only part of hosting the show I didn't prepare for was, was to, to make puns about the, uh, about the names of the songs.
2: Cameron doesn't do it either. He just... He do, well he doesn't prepare it. Oh okay. Just on, does he prepare it? It's his. It's his. I don't think he prepares. He's it. just ripping guys. Yeah, yeah you yeah. think? <laughs> you, <laughs> so joy-
1: I, you know, I can't. You know, th- there are some things I have to just concede that that you know that's Well, let's you know, just. think that got to
2: that level yeah. Just make a note of it, and we'll hit him with a rapid fire when he gets back. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're listening
1: to yeah exactly. I'll, I'll send him the playlist after you listen to Line by Casey Hill, and at the beginning of the podcast, you heard "Hard Love" from the band Need to Breathe, a very cool song, uh, kind of a different kind of sound for them, but yeah, wait. Way different than what they're what they're usually doing. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty
2: good jam. What are we using the word jam for, Dad? Come on. <laughs> Keep moving. <laughs> oh,
3: this tune is real nice. <laughs> Spin that record. <laughs>
2: Uh, call your local okay. DJ, ask him to play
3: "Need to Breathe." <laughs>
2: Coming up next, Bill Haley. back, Bill Haley in the comments.
1: Handsome Dan, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're gonna mix things up a little since I'm hosting. I'm not gonna go first. Um, let's do, Adam. Why don't you go first today, man?
4: I'll
3: go.
1: Oh, joy, joy. Okay, oh. joy. Let's let's let's. Uh, okay. uh, so.
3: You know, I often will tweet like send me great slices. This week, I didn't even tweet, and all the listers, I got four really great slices. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say just a little tidbit about each one, and you guys decide. There's one from Kiki on German inventions. There's one from Evan on fast food. There's one from Brooke on health and wellness, and one from Emily on. ASMR, AKA joy's personal problems, which do you want to hear I
1: mean, about? I feel like I speak for everyone when we're all thinking German robots, but I will go around
2: the room. <laughs> yeah. Well, also Kiki, <laughs> Kiki just had our baby, like our podcast baby. Yeah. So, yeah and I was going to no say, offense, Kiki Adam. is
5: a long time friend of the podcast. Yeah. yeah
2: it's it's hard when Kiki gives something to not. So I, if, if it's okay, I'd like to request that our dear friend Kiki get her slice read.
3: Is that what we want? Are we at consensus? Yeah.
2: Yeah, you had me a German. Yeah. You sealed the deal with robots, so.
1: and I don't. This is why I, I don't he's need a been co-working a space. Of the
5: podcast since the golden era, <laughs> <laughs> know,
4: can you disconnect him? <laughs> oh, I remember
2: In those the, days. Disconnect him. They, <laughs> they were okay.
3: So now for the letdown. This article was mostly a video, but it was oh, a oh. fascinating video. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, basically, um, Germans, which are my people, I'm um, created uh, this your nonprofit people? research just
1: out of curiosity. Is that your uh, ancestry?
3: Yes. Well, okay. I think I'm a bunch of things, but I claim German. That's what I took for two years in high school. I can still count to 10 in German. I'm pretty sure. That proud. counts, then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm German.
1: I'm pretty sure you're pretty much a citizen at this point. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, so basically, this machine was created by a nonprofit research center called FZI. And at their big trade show, uh, they just set up this robot uh, that can perfectly cook Bratwurst. And I think Bratwurst are it's probably like the German national food, right?
1: Isn't that just called a grill? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like if I if someone said, "Hey, perfectly cook bratwurst," okay, I put it on the grill. Yeah,
5: I think I think <laughs> George Foreman already beat them to that innovation. Yeah,
3: well, I know. I'm like, how hard is it? I mean, are they like sticking temperature gauges in these bratwursts? I don't think it's that hard to cook bratwurst, but the thing is that makes it unique is that there's like a little screen. I mean, I checked on the video. I checked to see if there was anybody standing around. This little robot, he had a little chef's hat on, little smiley face, and there's like a screen. Someone can walk up and put their bratwurst order. Now, I don't know if this is like, I want ketchup mustard. I don't know if it does all that. But basically, it can sense on the grill when there's a missing brat um, and it replaces it, cooks it to perfection, whatever German perfection is. And then it like picks it up, <laughs> well, sets that's... it on a plate and picks up the plate and hands it to the customer <laughs> and then says something like enjoy your food or different things in German to the customer. I, so, I
1: have I have a couple questions about this that I feel like there's a couple things to unpack here. One. <laughs> First off is like, okay, so it's not just like a device. It's an actual robot for one. Oh, yeah. The, it's got the, a little the, face. The other, it's got, okay. It's
3: it's got a face,
1: all right. Yeah. So, <laughs> well,
3: by face I mean a screen it, that they have. No, a little no, mustache
1: I, it's got, got a robotic arm. like. It's got robotic but human like features. Like it's modeled after a weird brat chef. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, like a face
3: <laughs> and one big arm.
2: Okay, <laughs> <That's>, uh, uh, <laughs> a one
1: armed. It's modeled after a, a German Germany's
2: famous one armed brat chef,
4: hey, who well,
2: actually we don't have context for it. But in Germany, he is. It, this is a very nostalgic robot. They love this guy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they give you the national chef, but I I can't
1: imagine how much it costs
2: to build and and and
1: the technology that goes into something that is ultimately that you could teach a child to do to cook a brat. You know what I mean? Like any human could easily learn to do this in minutes. But imagine if you're the if you're if you're an engineer. That has the technical ability to build a robot that's intelligent enough to look at like a, a some kind of cooking service and, and realize, oh, this brought needs to be turned. I got to get it to the perfect temperature. I got to deliver it to the human. I got to take their order. Like if if you're the engineer who spent their whole life like learning robotic right. technology, right. and your first assignment is, hey, listen, we're gonna pay you, we're gonna we're gonna pay you a lot of money to build a robot but here's the thing it's a robot that cooked brats. yeah
4: like like
1: all your whole career is culminated (laughs) with basically a giant microwave dude
2: but but again i think we're missing a cultural context to this because in germany there could be nothing more important like they are he is hailed as a god and because (laughs) because he has finally made a you know a replication of Brutus or whatever yeah, the guy's well, name I is. Get, even like even if it's a <laughs>
3: national food, or I mean, because I was thinking, okay, so a restaurant's going to get this, but I think part of the novelty is that the person can walk up, they can type in their order, they can get their bratwurst. So a restaurant's not necessarily going to need it. The only environment that I feel like this would work is something like a trade show or a, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the name for like a German festival. Um, but it, it but it still feels like if you watch it doesn't, the, the, the robot doesn't move that fast. Like I'm still sitting there thinking, you know, if there was a guy like working a grill, he'd move a lot quicker than this robot. Yeah, was. I so. think
2: I think that in robot technology, there is way too much of a focus to make the robot like a person. Whereas I feel like if they had just said like, all right, we're not even trying to make this like a person. We are making this an efficient hot dog machine you know, yeah. <laughs> then yeah,
1: exactly. But we already have those. They're called microwaves. People use them every day and they've been around. Since but like, I'm saying <laughs> there's a
2: way that that thing can like toss them on the grill, infrared sensor, pop it off. Yeah, on a plate. But, but like, what you're
1: talking about is the, the spinning plate on, in the microwave. No, We've I had have. that for a long time. <laughs> no. It's just weird to me that these robotic companies like are obsessed with building robots that do totally trivial, dumb things like, Hey, look, this one can walk gently on a treadmill. Oh, cool. Well, so, you know what I mean? Oh Here's God. one that can walk yeah. up and down three stairs. Oh, oh the end is near. Yeah. I'm mean, just
2: still not past the fact that it was a famous chef that died and they've replicated him. And now like this, the, the chef's kids go to the restaurant. They're like, it's my Faja Brutus. Ah! And they're like crying and is like one hey, arm.
3: I'm sure is... the kids
1: appreciate you making fun of me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll close
3: out with this. You guys, you guys are going to go nuts over this. The article, I don't know if it was the article that named this or the um, scientist who named this. But it's called the worst robot. W U R S T. So it's diverse.
2: worst. is <laughs> the, the worst robot right? we could make.
3: Well,
1: Joy, that is interesting. Thank you, Kiki, for contributing. Adam, what do you got for us, man? Okay, are you guys are you guys playing this uh, this uh, Pokemon Go? I am. have heard of this. Uh,
2: time, I am. Yeah. For oh, sure. it's in Australia.
5: Yeah, yeah. Australia was actually uh, one of the first countries we got before you guys. So. Oh, oh, yeah, cool. I, I, I heard yeah, that. Yeah, because they I don't got a beta you.
2: tested on the commoners before they sent it
5: out <laughs> to the <laughs>
4: king. I understand.
5: They have to, to figure out if any of the Pokemon were going to become sentient and kill people. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> we
2: need them
1: on like an isolated far corner of the globe. Yeah.
2: Um, is it, did you find a Pokemon at the Sydney Opera House? Because that's the only place you can go there, right?
3: <laughs> that's all you have.
2: <laughs> that's where I live. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> in my in my mind, you you live by the Opera House. John Travolta flies all of your Qantas planes to and from, and then like that's really your whole life. I didn't
1: know John Travolta <laughs> lived in Australia.
2: Yeah, no, well, he's an official Qantas pilot. Oh, okay, no, so, perfectly. They were the seen. only
5: ones who would have him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so,
4: he
5: just showed up. Yeah pokemon um, go so you you guys are you're you're playing the pokemon uh, um,
1: i mean i yeah. i will say this i'm not playing but i have played like i i, I downloaded the app and i've caught a couple pokemon but I, i'm not regularly playing yeah i could see the appeal
4: yeah i get it
2: yeah
1: i'm clearly i'm clearly too old for this because i'm i was old enough that i was an,
5: an adult by the time that pokemon became popular so i have yeah. no context for it I've never played a Pokemon game. I've never seen a Pokemon cartoon. And God help me, I cannot stop. I can't stop <laughs> uh, yes. catching these Pokemon. Dude, I'm so, so glad to hear that. Honestly, it's it's an obsession. Uh, but it's, it's led some uh, people to some uh, kind of uh, interesting outcomes, I would say. Uh, a guy in New York uh, lost his girlfriend while trying to catch some Pokemon. Uh, he was uh, He was trying to catch them all. Uh, but unfortunately, the, uh, the mapping software on Pokemon Go... Let his uh, girlfriend see all the places that he was catching his Pokemon, one of which places was his ex girlfriend's house. Oh. What?
2: Yeah, but in oh, fairness, no. there was a really hard to catch one with like feathers and whatnot. And so. <laughs> but maybe
3: his ex girlfriend had been putting out a lure. You can pay for lures yeah. and it draws put up a
2: dude. lure. It's yeah.
4: true.
5: It's true. I actually, uh, I actually wrote a piece about how to sell your house using Pokemon Go. <laughs> and that was one of the primary pieces That's of advice: hilarious. is put That's out smart. a lure, and then hold an open house. Yeah, Th-
1: there are um, tons of un- unintended consequences of Pokemon Go. I think the question yeah, of the well, week we asked people to write in their craziest Pokemon Go yeah, story, so week. we'll get okay. to that. But uh, yeah, well, yeah. Another one that happened is the Manchester, New Hampshire, the
5: police department actually set up uh, on their Facebook page. Uh, they they said that they um, had a, a Charizard. Which is one of the, uh, the rare pokey. It's one. Men. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nerd. Um, He's like a dragon, right? Yeah. Inviting, oh, people, Charizard, inviting yeah. people whose names were on a list to, uh, to be one of the lucky ones to come capture the Charizard. And it was people who had outstanding warrants. Oh, that's so they're actually <laughs> using Pokemon Go to try and lure people oh, no. with uh, outstanding warrants. That's really funny. That, that uh,
1: seems—I'm no legal expert, but that seems like the definition of entrapment. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it feels like when the Supreme Court finally gets that case in front of them, they're just going to roll their eyes and all quit like
5: this is not <laughs> i like to think that when the uh the fugitives showed up that they at the very least tried to capture them using pokeballs <laughs> <Not> right.
1: Right. <laughs> at least they could right have had some novelty balls, yeah. like pokemon handcuffs or something yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah lots of and these
5: are, honestly that's only a handful of the the bizarre stories that this uh this app has generated oh, so crazy. far so uh But uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more between now and next week when uh, we all collectively move on to some other thing to distract us from our looming mortality.
4: (laughs) From
1: from the the crippling reality of our everyday lives. Uh, (laughs) That's right. Totally agree, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and thankfully these pixelated monsters are really giving me a distraction. So I don't have to think about <laughs> the decisions that have led up to the point in my life. So that's uh, yeah, totally, man. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I have a quick slice, uh, from golfer, Bubba Watson. I'm not a big golfer. Um, I, I, don't enjoy, I, I, I play golf occasionally, but every time I'm out there, I wish I wasn't out there. Like it's, you know, golf is expensive. It's always hot when you play, you gotta yeah. get up early. You know, it's, it's any sport where you, and there's only, there's only a couple, like any sport where you're that, well, one that you have to dress up to actually participate in (laughs) and not wear athletic clothes. Like like I have to dress better than I do in my day-to-day life, (laughs) like going out to dinner than I have to for playing golf. Like that is not appealing to me. Understood.
2: Yeah. It's, it's
1: like when baseball players, you know the uniform requires him to wear a belt. Like that alone would not make <laughs> me want to be a baseball.
2: Player. I get all of that. Like I got
1: to tuck my shirt in to, to play a sport. It makes zero sense. Yeah, that is
2: a great point. What
4: is
1: it? Yeah.
2: Just because they're trying to be just fancy gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, they're wearing they're
1: wearing leather belts while playing. Ba- I think yeah, we've talked that's about always, this. But...
2: I've always found that bizarre. Uh,
1: but the same thing I, with Thankfully, cloth.
5: they've done away with the tie though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, and the briefcase. <laughs> they, they used to in the early days of baseball. They actually had to carry a briefcase with them when they came up to bat.
2: It was yeah. I mean, <laughs> batting
1: averages were super low. Where, I mean, it's almost impossible. No one ever really got on base. Games lasted forever.
5: Yeah. Well. Well, and the the game was judged not just by the final score, but who could turn in the best budget report.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the
1: whoever TPS report uh, was turned in on time. <laughs> So uh, Bubba Watson is trying to figure out a way to uh, spice up the game of golf to make it appeal to people who may not be that into golf. Like I said, I think there's a lot of things about it that I don't uh, that, you know, I don't like, uh, which I've laid out there. But uh, he's partnered with his sponsor, Oakley, the sunglass and apparel maker uh, to create an alternative to the golf cart. A couple years ago, uh, the Oakley made something called uh, Bubba's Hover, which was basically a hovercraft that you could drive around the golf course. The idea is that you could drive it right on the green, and it wouldn't mess up the grass, because it's actually floating above. It was cool, but it was basically a golf cart that floats. Now they've taken it up a notch, and they've recently released the first ever uh, uh, Bubba's Jetpack. Cool. And it is oh, a giant jetpack. I was so that.
5: hoping that's what you were going to
1: say. <laughs> yes, it, it, they have created... It, it's, it's a giant jetpack that you strap onto your back that you just fly to the different points in the golf course so that there's one, there's no walking involved. Which I think if you can eliminate more of the actual athleticism out of a sport, the more appealing it instantly becomes. <laughs> it's, it's why yeah. bowling is so great. It's the only sport <laughs> where you can eat nachos between plays and it won't affect the outcome. By, by the way, next week's slice. Golfer Bubba Watson
5: dead
1: at 37. <laughs> right, <laughs> tragic tra- Masters champion. He floated away. We don't know where he is. The jetpack <laughs> took off, and he hasn't been seen since. <laughs> Missing, presumed dead. <laughs> yeah, pres- yeah, presumed dead. He's uh, he's he, he's in orbit. Uh, so, but it's it's a giant jetpack that you basically fly around the course in. And they're releasing it in actually, it was developed by engineers in Australia. And I think they're actually giving it to a golf course down there so that you know people that have enough money can go uh, sample with it. I'll say this. If if golf courses suddenly had jetpacks that you could rent at the pro shop, yeah, they could just eliminate the golf portion of of the whole activity, and it would be more fun than if you just say, okay, you have these awesome fields with like lakes and bunkers and obstacles to just fly around in for four hours on a jetpack. I would rather do that than play golf. I think it's a great thing. Here's my question
3: though: Is there I mean, there's there's little uh, roads for the golf carts for a reason to minimize people getting hit mm-hmm. by golf balls. So, what's going to be the the routes for these jetpacks? Well, people everyone we will be beat.
1: armed with golf clubs, so it'll kind
2: of be like jousting. <laughs>
3: <something>. <laughs> to your question,
8: Joy,
2: I think that the game with jetpacks gets closer to that Harry Potter game, right? Aren't we just moving towards oh, I making? I forget what that's called. Golf into what is it? Quidditch? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're right. All
3: right? So- yeah, there's gonna be a lot of people screaming for. Yeah.
1: here's the other thing that that uh bubba watson said that even if people don't use it he said you know what it get them out to the course and maybe be interested and say you know what golf is actually fun to be around so why not play it why not play it bubba because i get the opportunity to ride a sweet hovercraft instead like <laughs> yeah, i'm looking and, at the reason and, not and to, play to it. your
5: point the entire the entire purpose of golf the whole the the core point of it is to play as little golf as possible. That's actually how you win the game is to play less golf than everyone. Else. And I feel like
1: they kind of went <laughs> overboard on this. The, the, the according to uh, CNBC who reported on the story, it can fly to an altitude of 3,000 feet and reach speeds of wow. 50 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Wow. So That's it's just... not
1: just like you're cruising up, you know, <laughs> right above the the green. I mean, you could literally get, you know, in air space up here. Wow. It's all
2: fun and games until Arnold Palmer decides he wants to try it. And the sweet guy (laughs) is like, what, (laughs) 92? It's (gasps) and he just disappears into the ether. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that.
3: Yeah, I can't (laughs) imagine golf courses are really going to want to take on the liability of this. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) Especially, as Adam mentioned, the people golf and drink and now they're going to have
1: jetpacks. Yeah. I fully support any activity that they want to introduce jetpacks to. I think it's a good thing. So uh, I think it should be introduced to Pokemon
0: Go. I, th- I agree with you on that one.
2: All right, all right, Eddie, what do you got, man? Well, this slice was... Uh, I, mean, I mean, the story is pretty quick. Um, but I just really wanted to get people's thoughts on it because I've been uh, thinking about it a lot. Leslie Jones, who, of course, is hilarious on SNL and one of the new cast members of the Ghostbusters movie, which has been uh really an interesting ramp up to that movie people just were really intense about that and we could talk about that um and then i guess the reviews have been kind of mixed right it hasn't been uni- it's been it's
1: been mostly positive i I looked yesterday i think it's like a, it's over 70 percent on yeah. uh, on tomatoes so it's
2: like a fine movie um and a good comedy and so and paul feig i guess the guy from uh what's the guy uh what was his show that he did
1: freaks and geeks he yeah. was also uh wrote a bunch of the office he, he's done a ton of stuff like but, in the con he done he did bridesmaids he's done a lot of uh, big movies
2: so a lot of heavy hitters in this yeah. so uh leslie jones is big on twitter and she's really funny on twitter and sends out a lot of fun behind the scenes pictures of her filming and doing press tours uh, a couple days ago she starts retweeting tweets that had been sent to her and i can't even begin to read them to you because they were the most vile like deeply racist awful things i've i I could like i couldn't believe anyone would write it i couldn't believe it existed um and i guess that's my own but it was just so hateful
5: yeah for someone for someone having the audacity to be in a movie yeah exactly who's
2: a professional actress right
1: because a lot of them were you know based on you know, either misogyny or racism
2: too. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It wasn't dog in the movie because she could handle people being critical of the movie and that's been happening. And they've all been sort of dealing with that, but it was deeply racist and misogynistic, awful things. So she goes on a, a rant basically and starts retweeting this, just retweeting all of the hate. Um, mm-hmm. And it was Painful to see because it felt like it was this hidden part of Twitter that I or, or social media that like, I, you know, we've all read really unkind comments on articles we've written. But typically it's well, it's certainly hasn't been really personal or racist or any of that stuff. So she just uncovers this awful part of Twitter to, to which people start to respond with love for Leslie and all of this kind of stuff, yeah. like famous people. And so there's a, a backlash of people just saying like, Hey, we love you. This is, this is awful, but just so you know, we love you. So there was this whole kind of dual narrative happening where she's exposing the awful dark racism and hate. Right. And also people are just sending huge amounts of love for her. And at the end, she finally wrote a tweet that says, I leave Twitter tonight with tears and a very sad heart. She said this late on Monday, all yeah. this, cause I did a movie. You can't hate this movie, but uh, but the S, she's cursed, the S today, uh, I got today was wrong. Um, and basically, then she's quit Twitter, and she's done yeah. Now She hasn't oh, disabled wow. her account, but that was her last tweet, and she has just disappeared from the Twitterverse because of this hate. Now, there's been a few interesting reactions to this. One has been... People calling on Twitter to have more increased restrictions for this kind of hate speech in which she got it. Actually, she got a tweet from one of the founders and the, I guess the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, I think his name is, yeah. to mm-hmm. DM her personally. Then they would help with this. I also noticed on her account that a lot of the tweets that she retweeted were no longer available. So there has been some sort of movement to delete some of this content. Yeah. But it has been interesting because it has sort of brought up the question, what is the responsibility of social media for censoring this kind of speech? There's a case to be made that, well, it's free speech. And right. even if we say things that are awful, we still have the right to say those awful things. Um, I don't agree with that. I'll just say, yeah, the, say when, the opinion. I, I
5: think, Yeah, I think when those things cross the line to being uh, to being threatening toward another person, yeah, yeah the, the, it's that transcends the boundaries of free speech.
1: The, the 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 other element here that obviously you know there there's no explanation or uh, you know things that are you know justified in any sightable way like harassment and hate speech. The other weird thing is. You know, and and not to make not to make it not personal or, or trivialize what's happened to Leslie Jones, but there seems to be such a crazy weird emotional connection to some of these like old movie franchises that anytime anyone redoes them and has any like unique modern twist on it. You know, because a lot of the, a lot of the stuff with with Ghostbusters, you know, they, they saw a lot of negative feedback early on when they announced that the cast was going to be primarily female. All the leads were going to be female, and they're really right. funny people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, all four of the Leslie Jones, uh, uh, you know, Kristen Wiig, uh, Melissa McCarthy, um, Kate McKenna—they they are hilarious people. But it's like just tweaking some franchise that people watched when they were eight years old. You know, like for some reason makes them feel like justified to say hateful things to the people that, you know, are creatively taking, uh, you know, a film or a story and doing a new twist on it. People's connection to these things are insane. Like I get it. Like you like Ghostbusters when you're a kid and you don't want Ghostbusters to change. No one's going back and re-editing the, you know, uh, Bill Murray version, right. like people are entitled, especially if they own the franchise and want to do a crea- you know, something creative. People are entitled to do it. Like, who cares? Like, why would someone issue, you know, be hateful to the people doing it? It's not ruining something. Yeah, yeah. Like, how does
5: how does that in any way affect your enjoyment of the original one?
3: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think people fear fear change, hate their familiarity changing. I uh, one of my friends, Lindsay, on uh, Snapchat, she sat and just read. Um, these, I don't know if it was on Rotten Tomatoes or somewhere, but she read these comments from men, and she was just like, I, she's like, I have to stop at a certain point. And so it's interesting with the Leslie Jones situation, it's like, on one level, you, you don't want to give them any light, you know, because it feels like it fuels them. On another hand, it feels like it's really important. Like we talked about with the athletes, of bringing um, this to the attention of people, of talking about it, to hopefully doing something. And I, to answer your question, Eddie, I feel personally like it's the responsibility of each organization, whether it's Twitter or a website that's you know written something about the movie, that they have a right on their platform to delete whoever they want. Yeah, I, I totally
5: agree. Yes, one hundred percent. Because this is this is this is a a service. Being provided to people, this is it's not infringing upon their inalienable rights to free speech because you have no right to free speech on a platform
1: provided by a private company. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Like they're they're allowed to censor whatever they want because their their ultimate goal isn't the preservation of you know what you feel like you should be able to say. It's to create a a a, a user experience that people want to enjoy.
2: I mean,
5: you know, and you have the right to say whatever you want, but that does not mean that you deserve a platform on which to say it. Right. Exactly. That's
2: right. And that's what's been really uh, interesting and hard to watch is that this. The assumption of celebrity is, of course, they're going to have an account. Of course, they're going to be doing this sort of more interactive reality show-esque thing with social media where you feel like, oh, I can I can talk to Leslie Jones. I'm like, wasn't it just better when celebrities – and I'm talking like real celebrities, like people in a movie just were disconnected. Yeah. Like, it just yeah. – they could live in a bubble where – to get some real hate speech, somebody had to send them an awful letter or something. Like, I feel like there's just too much access.
5: And and, yeah. and for those of us, and for those of us who sent hate mail, it was a much more personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> S- sitting down at my desk and writing those angry letters to Alan Alda.
2: Oh, yeah. Just full of vitriol for his portrayal of whatever the, on MASH. Yeah, when,
1: when Adam, I know the one that you sent to Michael Bay that was comprised of cutout magazine letters to know, let him know how unpleased <laughs> Displeased you were that the new Ninja Turtles had noses. Uh, I know, I know that hit home that.
5: for him. You know, I had to really put some thought and effort into it. But I just,
2: I like with Leslie Jones, like just back to this, and then this is kind of my last thing is like you watch through the entire thing because you, see, if you read up through the whole thread, you basically watch her unravel. Yeah. And it's just the sad. Yeah, and she's thing. a human being. She's People are like, lady. "Oh, you know, <laughs> she's tenacity. a person." Yeah, Exactly. And, and I'm like, "That she probably cried. She wow. probably was at of home course. or on the road somewhere, just incredibly sad." And I'm like, "You don't have to be that person for us. You you can just be in a movie and you can disappear." I just don't, I don't love that we are almost demanding of our celebrity culture that they have some sort of interaction. Like, don't yeah. no, just make your art. And then we'll love it or hate it and review it and talk about it with our friends that we do or don't like it. And then you can disappear. I don't need to feel like I have to, but then conversely they feel like it's a good place for them to spouse their thoughts all the time. And so I guess it's double edged sword, but yeah, I was, yeah. And,
5: and don't they deserve the same, you know, the same right to uh, the same opportunity to take part in the, that platform that we do as, you know, just normal everyday people, you know, we enjoy using services like, like that.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You
5: know, shouldn't, shouldn't they be able to do the same without fear of, uh, of abuse?
2: Yeah, yes, exactly. Abuse. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Anyhow, it was a terrible story and I just, uh, well, I appreciate all your wisdom on it. It was really let's, hard let's to Let's
5: all look at pictures of kittens right now.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, but I, but I think it's, it's, it's
1: something that's, you know, Uh, that's good to address and be aware of so Uh, well that'll do it for uh, Slices next up we have John Foreman to the song Flow With It by the band St. Paul and the Broken Bones what a great jam a, a really cool band uh, they always make really cool music they got some new stuff out and, so uh, check it. it out
2: and let's just I got it I look like the lead singer got it no need to <laughs> send Please, me tweet me Eddie 5 million tweets about how I look like the lead singer because honestly it's an insult to that man I think that, <laughs> like, I think he is a very handsome guy and I don't think he needs that kind of junk from us.
1: So. Well, our next segment is brought to us by Movement Watches and what, oh. uh, Movement M V M T Watches. I want one of these so bad. They are so cool. And I know. so You know, obviously, here at Relevant Other Relevant Podcast, we always are teaming up with brands, especially in the podcast that are doing things that are new. Uh, You know, we love innovations and companies that are changing the industries uh, that they're in. So when Movement introduced themselves uh, uh, and sent over some of their watches, we were super impressed. They are really cool. When we were doing the um, Trapped in the Cage the other week, you know, me and Cameron, Cameron stayed with me the whole time. I think that's why he's on vacation this week. We both (laughs) need to mentally recoup so we didn't go insane. But we were both like looking at like a, a. camera the whole time people could watch us watching movies and i would say there were three questions that we got the whole time one was, are you tired? One was, what's the best Nicolas Cage movie you've seen so far? Over and over. And the third was, what kind of watch is that? And I'm not just saying that. That was literally, if you go back through the thread, people were constantly asking. And it was a movement watch that Cameron was wearing. Uh, really cool, clean design. And this company started by two broke college kids who wanted to wear stylish watches that couldn't afford them. Watches, uh, you know, especially luxury high-end watches are really expensive. But they did some research and found that big brands were passing on huge retail markups to consumers. So they wanted to do something different. They began selling online so they could cut out the middleman and provide an unbelievable price. Watches that uh, look like they should be four or five hundred bucks are now just like 95 from movement. Uh, they're, they're grown or, uh, uh, organically and purely supported by uh, uh, supporters and fans like you. Uh, they have you can go and see why over 1 million social media followers uh, uh, follow movement to see latest updates about their brand. They are selling really cool watches at an affordable price. I think everyone who saw the one that Cameron was wearing uh, would agree we, we all want to get one now and you can go browse on their website. If you go to movementwatches.com, uh, that's mvmtwatches.com slash relevant. They'll give you 15% off your entire purchase. That's mvmtwatches.com slash relevant. And not only will you get a great deal uh, uh, on, on the retail price, but you'll also get 15% off that. So check it out now movementwatches.com I love those
2: watches they're so cool they
1: are very cool well John Foreman is the lead singer of California alt rock outfit Switchfoot Uh, they have a new album that just came out Where the Light Shines that combines their mix of hook heavy alt rock innovation thoughtful lyrics and catchy melodies we recently got the opportunity to sit down with John where he talked about the five songs that changed his life this is a really cool segment we've done it I think this is our third or fourth time where we get to sit down with an artist or a songwriter but John does something a little bit different he actually organized it into like this play playlist to get you through the day from when you wake up through the afternoon to before you go to bed and talks about why these five songs he put in that order he also talks about why music in general and the community creates has been so moving to him throughout his life so uh pretty cool opportunity sit down with john foreman listen to a few jams eddie listen to a few jams with him can you talk can
3: you just give us a, a clue about one of the songs
1: it's I, I, uh, it's Tom
5: Sawyer by Rush. <laughs>
1: Tom Sawyer
5: <laughs> by Rush. Tom Sawyer by Rush. Tom Sawyer by Rush. And Tom Sawyer by Rush.
1: The last one, he plays the the rock, the drum part in the video game Rock Band, which is <laughs> the <laughs> hardest one in the game. Pretty so, uh, really cool. Well, here it is, John Forman five songs that changed my life.
9: Okay, my favorite song to start the day is Flamenco Sketches by Miles Davis, Off Kind of Blue. It's on the second side of that record and it's this peaceful um, beginning. For me, it feels like a deep breath before the day begins. then I think uh, as the day progresses, maybe you're ready for a little bit more, you two with or without you, um, still subdued, but it begins to, you know, as the day's rolling now, you might be ready for work. The levee break at Led Zeppelin might be an appropriate day to kind of ramp things up. I grew up on Led Zeppelin. I was in a Led Zeppelin cover band with my brother. That's pretty much the reason why I play guitar. Come on. And then Radiohead just could be another shot of caffeine for the near the end of your day. Um, For me this was this was high school. Um, That record was was a very pivotal time for me. things up before you go to sleep, I, I choose The Beatles, A Day in the Life, as kind of an example of what you can do in a song and how far you can push things. I still think that The Beatles, um, you know, decades ago pushed things further than most most bands even today. So those would be my top favorite songs,
7: I believe.
9: Um, I think every night is a dynamic difference because people are, for us, the reason why we play. And we, me, for me personally, um, I, I, I love the communal element of music. So, we show up to the stage with a set list, but that really is only a partial, um, you know, like, the set list could change depending on what people feel like at the time, you know? A couple nights ago, some kid uh, came to the show with a sign that was handmade that said Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. And so we played Sabotage for him, you know? So anything can happen. It is my occupation, but it's still my vehicle to explore heartache and joy and tragedy. And so I'm going to be playing these songs, whether anyone's listening or not. Um, sometimes that's fine. You know, sometimes like you just want to explore the world by yourself um, with an acoustic guitar. Sometimes it feels right you know, after the show to find a bar or an alleyway or... Something, you know, somewhere where you can play music that feels like uh, there's no microphones, there's no smoke machines. It's just the human voice and and people, you know, late at night singing these songs. It's it's one of the, some of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. You go. Um, in Edinburgh, Scotland, in this, they call them clothes, in this uh, dark alleyway. And um, there's just probably 15 or 20 of us there, um, in the middle of the night, singing singing these songs. And, um, you know, those are memories that stick with you. I love rock and roll. I love loud guitars and drums and everything. But, you know, there's something beautiful about it taking all that that away and still still having a reason to sing
6: turn, pain birth to the
1: That was John Foreman. Up next, preemptive love founder Jeremy Courtney.
6: sour by the hour, I know, but the death threats under your voice is keeping it cold.
1: You're listening to Raw Gold by the band Beatty Heart. Cool, cool. Another cool jam, Eddie.
2: Just note it for Cameron. There's something there I can't <laughs> remember. There, there's another it. pun there,
1: Raw Gold by Beatty Heart. There's probably a couple. I feel like that one's kind of teed up I for do, us. I,
2: I do feel like next week we just need to, during the front part of the show, just you hit all these transitions again and let them just go for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, because I feel like he can do it with no preparation.
2: Right.
3: But I, but I appreciate that you're staying with your dad. Responses of well, real cool jam right there.
2: <laughs> Heck of a tune! Heck of a tune by a uh, new young band.
3: Uh, uh,
2: raw goal. real up and coming.
3: Whippersnappers.
1: Snappers. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, is what the kids are listening to. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, Jeremy Courtney is the co-founder and executive director of the organization, the Preemptive Love Coalition. They're an international development organization based in Iraq. Not only do they provide life-saving heart surgeries to the children in Iraq, but also training for local doctors and nurses and create peace between communities at odds there. We recently got to a chance to sit down with uh, uh, Jeremy. And uh, one of the reasons that, you know, we've talked to him a couple of times uh, uh, throughout the years and they do uh, incredible things. Uh, but along with some of the Recent escalations in violence in Iraq. His team uh, was recently in a uh, really intense situation in the city of Fallujah, where coalition forces were driving out uh, ISIS fighters. Um, but at the same time, it caused a lot of the residents there to flee to the desert, uh, where they were without food and water and shelter. And Jeremy's team, the the, the team from Preemptive Love, actually, uh, uh, you know, were, were running from ISIS in in in, a, in an effort to deliver aid to the people that were forced to flee to the desert. So we talk a little bit about that, but we also talk about why the city of Mosul in Iraq, uh, what's happening there could even be worse than what recently happened in Fallujah. Here's our interview with Jeremy Courtney.
7: Mosul is a city probably 10 times the size of Fallujah, and we believe there's anywhere from 10 to 20 times the Amount of people trapped inside Mosul at this time that there were in Fallujah, and so we are gearing up for and scared of a much bigger humanitarian crisis than what we saw in Fallujah. And Fallujah was bad. Fallujah was terrible. The the planning, the preparation, the mobilization, the coordination for helping Fallujans was was abysmal. And we were one of the fastest, best equipped, best funded, uh, organizations. And it was purely from grassroots friends like Relevant, uh, who made it happen. We don't have UN funding. We weren't relying on huge outside grants from institutions or governments. Uh, it was just normal people giving a couple hundred dollars here and there that that made us able to do what we did and friends like Switchfoot and Lecrae and Jen Hatmaker and others coming out and really championing the cause. But, you know, the, the scale of what's going on in Mosul is going to be a lot bigger. And so those troops are on the way or, or have arrived already to, to gear up for that fight. And wherever the fight goes is where the humanitarian suffering goes well so as they drive isis out of their strongholds they're also driving innocent civilians out of out of their homes and so it's our job to kind of mitigate the human suffering while the military seeks to uh, eradicate the the threat itself
0: When you talk about these humanitarian, uh, the toll that's taking on all these people, both in the efforts in Fallujah and Mosul, what exactly are you talking about? Can you give me some examples?
7: Yeah, so even if you end up living in a city like Mosul or Fallujah under ISIS control, um, it's it's there's still a modicum of, Normalcy, or it can become a new kind of normal for you. You still have your home, or you have someone's home that you're living in. The rules may be draconian. The strictures on what you can do may be suffocating, but over time, you learn what ISIS expects of you, and you can, to some degree, conform to those expectations. So women adopt the... The ridiculously strict policies about how they can behave in public or not be in public at all. Uh, men learn what can be said and what can't be said, quit smoking, um, you know, never be seen to be using their cell phones in a way that could be considered surreptitious or citizen journalism against ISIS, things like that. Uh, at its worst, ISIS or the militia who are against ISIS or the government who is against ISIS can create policies or tactics that result in entire areas being cut off from food and water. This is what we saw in Saluja, where people started starving. Um, even as horrible as that is, and it's unspeakably horrible to go months uh, without any real sustenance. Um, We talked to a number of people who have come out of Fallujah and said we didn't have anything to eat or drink for a month. Um, Just, I mean, people have talked about surviving on rotten dates. People have talked about eating grass. We've heard reports of people having to catch wild street animals like dogs and cats and and these are dignified people. You know, I, I, I'm not sure what many of us think of when we think of Iraqis or Middle Easterners, Arabs, Muslims, but, but these are dignified people who do not live off street animals. You know, it's a, it's a horrific thought to have to um, catch and kill a cat just to stay alive. Um, and so, but even so, even as horrible as that is, you have your home. You can go in at night and lock your door and pray to God that ISIS doesn't come in and rape or co-opt your daughters or whatever, but you still have a little bit of sense of fortress, um, as vulnerable as it may be. When airstrikes come against your city to dislodge ISIS, when troops enter into your city and go door-to-door fighting ISIS, And ultimately, you have to grab whatever you can put in your hands in a few seconds and run for your life. When running for your life, ISIS is sniping at you from buildings to kill you as a civilian, to prevent you from escaping. When ISIS grabs your children and uses them as human shields to prevent troops from advancing on you. When you have to carry your babies in your arms and advance through minefields that ISIS has set up and you watch children and old people beside you being blown up every step along the way and you hope to god you can make it through the minefield and then on the on the other side of all that terror you find yourself in an open desert with nothing but more open desert in front of you and no one there to help you no food no water no shelter and that's that's what we're talking when we're talking about human suffering uh, we're talking about going into the summer heat 120 125 degree heat um, and and people who have already been depleted and starving and and without hope for months on end thinking that maybe in some way they've gotten free only to find out that that their new reality in the desert is going to be its own kind of nightmare all over again, and so our task is to meet them in their nightmare. Uh, Some of our colleagues at other organizations have been repeatedly calling this situation hell, hell on earth, and our task is to not accept the terminal conclusion that this is hell, that there's no way out, that this is forever, but to to meet them where they are and transform this hellish or nightmare situation into something that it's full of hope and I try to help them see that there is another side to this there is a an awakening to this nightmare that they've been in um.
0: When you talk about pushing back this hellishness, uh, can you give me uh, some specific examples of what you're talking about in terms of efforts at a practical level? And and then on top of that, how can we relevant uh, podcast listeners help out too? How, how can we get involved and in, in serve your efforts in pushing back that kind of darkness?
7: Yeah, so um, thankfully, when the when the needs of a situation are so fundamental Um, the responses are not overly complex I mean what it takes to get the job done is highly complex but what people need right now is not complex they need food they need water they need shelter they need medicine they need protection these things are not um, overly difficult to get our minds around. They're not difficult in some cases to procure and to actually deliver to those who need it most. Um, The delivery often comes with great, great risk, as we experienced um, just a couple of weeks ago when our trucks full of 100,000 pounds of food broke down in the desert. We were on our way out to one of the least served areas of this Fallujah crisis where some 27,000 people had arrived over the last uh, day or two. In in the final push to liberate uh, Fallujah from ISIS control, a big wave of people um, exited exited Fallujah and ended up in this this holding camp. And so we loaded up our two huge semis with 100,000 pounds of food, and we were going out to this place that no one else had reached yet with food. And on the way out, around 1 in the afternoon, we had New York Times with us. Our two trucks broke down on this private-access military road that that we had access to. And half the team ended up waiting with the trucks, and the other half of the team ended up going with New York Times to the camp, hoping to get things ready for the distribution. But the trucks never got unstuck. uh, And unfortunately, we had to turn back To Baghdad for the night and around that time there was a, a major Isis outbreak in the area we were told the military had declared that that all operations all military operations in the region were finished that Isis was eradicated we didn't we didn't know there was any ongoing significant threat from Isis but there was a curfew put in place, and we were hearing rumors of a significant ISIS convoy, 450 car convoy, probably the largest convoy that anyone's ever seen of ISIS in uh, this entire conflict, uh, emerges out of these towns that are ostensibly liberated just days before, and this massive convoy of ISIS fighters uh, amasses itself in the desert and starts starts making its way through the desert together. And so we've got two teams now in the desert at this point. One is stuck with our trucks, and the other one gets stuck at a checkpoint, and the soldiers won't let our guys back in. And the trucks, our, our drivers and our team leader at the truck end up stripping themselves down into their underwear pulling away from the trucks about 20 feet and burying themselves in the sand just so that they aren't seen if this ISIS convoy rolls up on them. And sure enough, within a couple of hours, we're texting back and forth, and within a couple of hours, 80 cars of this ISIS convoy roll up on our trucks full of 100,000 pounds of food, and they use our trucks as a meeting point, point. and our team can hear them on the phone saying, Yeah, we're at the trucks. If you see those trucks, meet us there. And 80 cars' worth of ISIS fighters are out and milling about our trucks and our food and using it as a a meeting point. Meanwhile, over at the other location, our team is, is stuck at this checkpoint watching airstrikes take place in the dark of the night against some unknown ISIS enemy in the area. And eventually, those ISIS fighters roll on and uh, that half of the team survived the night but the airstrikes against them end up hitting our team, hitting the other side of our team and laying out our guys flat on the ground damaging our car causing head damage and hearing loss and um, I mean our team barely survived the night both from the, the direct ISIS threat and the US airstrikes against ISIS so Delivering this aid is not easy, but, but it's still very fundamental. You know, at the end of the day, people need food and they need water. And um, that's, what we're, that's what we're doing every day. That's what we're undertaking, is um, daring to get into the hard situations and go to the hard places that few others are willing to go to provide very basic things that people need to stay alive. So when you ask how people can join us, I mean, ultimately, it's, it's a pretty simple, but powerful, profound partnership. When people give, right now, we are turning $65 into a month's worth of food for an entire family. And um, we're going to places that no one else is, is really willing to go, and we're enduring the kinds of uh, Threat and hardship that few others are are willing to endure, but at the end of the day, we're making a massive impact in the lives of kids and women and their fathers who who have uh, lived through the darkest nightmare of their life.
1: That was Jeremy Courtney. You can follow him uh, on Twitter at JCourt but uh, also learn about what his organization is doing uh, and how you can get involved to help the people of Iraq at preemptivelove.org. two subways by the band the avalanches uh innovative album that is uh i that's a another cool jam
2: eddie <laughs> hot new record from uh from a new band out of
1: liverpool <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, right,
1: the gentlemen, yeah uh well last week mm-hmm. we asked you the what owners. is your most
2: sorry sorry sorry
1: and last week, uh, uh, we asked you, or they asked you, I wasn't here, but I did listen. What is your most interesting or crazy Pokemon Go story? Adam brought us a couple that, that happened to people uh, uh, playing the new addictive game that all the kids are playing while they're listening to these sweet jams. Um, <laughs> so we asked you to write into us and tell us what the craziest Pokemon Go story that's happened to you or that you've heard of. Uh, you wrote us, here are some of our favorite responses.
3: Blake Johnson, I love his closing line. He tells a story about how he and his wife both are playing Pokemon Go. Um, personally, Matt and I, we share one phone, and we do Pokemon Go together because we just don't trust each other. Um, anyways, <laughs> Blake and his wife decided to have a date night uh, where they picked up some firehouse subs, drove to the university uh, to plant some lures. Uh, that's where you, you can like pay money to to make Pokemon's code to you. Um, but other people can catch wind of this. And so he said about two minutes after the lures were being active, They noticed 15 people gathered in our vicinity to mooch off our spot. And then at least a hundred people end up uh, coming towards them and trying to get their Pokemon. So he said, if you lure it, they will come. (laughs) A hundred people? (laughs) That's crazy. Yes.
1: That is insane. Like... I, I've been I was on you know vacation last week and there were every place I would go there were kids like riding bikes and walking around with their head down looking at their phone I sound like an old person here but I was legitimately afraid like look for cars people I mean they're they're literally just wandering in and out of the road searching for Pokemon <laughs> at
2: least they're not inside <laughs> playing the Nintendo right at least they're yeah, outside I mean, at least they're getting a little exercise you do, right. you move
3: around and I actually found a way Chan Chan you might want to take note of this if, you, if you're moving like if you're driving yeah. it shuts off yes because they realize you're driving you're not walking If you are good on a bicycle, which I am, you can balance and ride slow enough so you don't have to walk, but you can get to Pokemon's faster. Yeah,
0: I I skate actually. I skateboard around my neighborhood. Rollerblade. Yeah. Yeah, Yes, on rollerblades. (laughs) right, Right. I have a I have a Segway. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Your bubble Watson hovercraft.
1: <laughs> my bubble my little my little uh hip hop hoverboard. Uh, no, yeah. I think this riding a segue around, especially if you're wearing like a helmet and knee pads, <laughs> c- c- catching Pokemon, is the nerdiest thing that Ever. is literally possible by a human being. Yeah. So, so I, I, that's what I plan on doing. Um, <laughs> Perry Ross said this past weekend, because you know, a lot of, I don't know, I don't know if the same in you Adam, but a lot of the, the poke stops here and, and gyms are at church parking lots for, for very, <laughs> I don't, for reasons that are, I don't know if it's totally clear, but yeah. most of the churches around here are poke stops and poke gyms. Uh, am I saying it right? Poke stops. Poke stops. Po- po- okay, stop, okay. Poke okay. stops. Yeah. I, I don't really care. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, whatever nerd, nerd. next Pok- <laughs> Pokestop works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well Pokestop. stop. So, uh, I'm going to be able to relate to the pastor in the story that, uh, uh, so people were coming to all of the, uh, you know, during the four services on Sunday, uh, you know, people kept showing up and the pastor wanted to be cool and like address the congregation and kind of let him know why people were just wandering around outside. <laughs> and so he, 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 he gave them a brief explanation, not to worry that Pokemon stood for pocket machines. <laughs> and they have nothing to be afraid of
4: <laughs> which
1: of course that's not what pokemon uh, i believe i think it's pocket monsters it is, uh, but, but he said you know even though he said it in the first service no one corrected it so I'm, he said it in all four sermons hilarious. about these pocket machines that had invaded but they said that the, the, the church was good sports about it and started offering free water bottles but i don't know if anyone took them because they were only offered to people uh that had pocket monsters, or pocket <laughs>
2: monsters. now listen i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you channing and joy a uh-huh. real simple question okay and if it gets too complex or dorky, I'm going to shut you down. Okay. okay, I just need you to know what's about to happen. Okay, and Adam, you can weigh in. What okay. like is Pokemon?
0: Of, it was based off of. It was based off of apparently bug collecting was popular in Japan in the 90s. So someone who was a video game developer,
1: <laughs> bug <laughs> collecting was popular in the 90s. I I can't
0: remember for some reason I missed that part of the decade. No, in in Japan. No, no, oh. not, not here. So hey, so, no!
3: I, to speak for yourself, Jesse, I had a uh, lightning bug motel.
0: So I mean, a, for I
1: still have a terrarium. Just yeah. lay off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got more roly polies than you can shake a stick so, at. It. So basically, <laughs> uh, a video game developer took that kind of premise and made a video game out of it.
2: So the first iteration of Pokemon was a vo- video game.
0: Yeah, it's a Game Boy game.
3: I thought it was like cards. And I thought it was a oh, card that's game. Pog. How's Pog different?
0: <laughs> yeah pogs comes into this somewhere right
1: well,
3: yeah i got a
1: question when do when do people start hacky sacking with these things yeah.
2: <laughs> when does my brother's dan marino pog intersect with this story because <laughs> it was a sweet pog and i couldn't believe he got I, it
5: i actually caught it at a pokestop yesterday
4: <laughs> i got that
1: in a ninja slammer that i lost when i was slammer. a ninja star slammer it was that's right yeah a anyway. Wild Dan Marino Pog appears.
0: It was a uh, it was a Game Boy game and a video, uh, TV all right, show. All right, we got
2: to be done. The yeah. next okay.
0: thing, yeah. move on. Can I okay. can I please this
3: read much. this from Gregor Morrill? It has nothing to do with Pokemon Go, but it's just too good. <laughs> yeah. Um he said so last week Eddie mentioned that he used before Wikipedia was more secure, he used to go on and change people's bios and whatnot. And he was really obsessed with Tony Danza. And so this Gregor Morrill went to see what was on Tony Danza's Wikipedia as if if they hadn't changed it. So he wants to know, Eddie, can you I can confirm or deny I- what?
1: He'd like the edit history on yeah, Tony Danza's I, Wikipedia I didn't,
2: page. I read all of those. They were hilarious. I didn't do any of those. I did like more like benign ones, like Tony is my biological father kind of stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> I would like stay up for a couple hours. But it was like, it would have had to have been early 2000s. I don't know
5: about you guys, but I was... I was watching that show, Who's the Boss, the other day. I'm like, Hey, between those two clowns, who is the boss? Because it's supposed <laughs> to be her, but sometimes I think maybe he teaches her more than she teaches. I don't, who I don't is
1: know. it? Who is it? He's employed by her, but
6: which he <laughs> one's the,
2: the, the but, boss? But then, is it? Uh, but that, is it really Alyssa Milano? Cure. Isn't it Alyssa Milano? Like, isn't she the boss of that whole scenario? Because gosh, you know, she's you know, snarky.
1: Adam, you know what tickled me the other day? You know what really just—I <laughs> was—you know—it was a real gas.
2: You know what it was?
1: <laughs> the show Perfect Strangers, because they're cousins that don't know each other, but they are perfect for each other. But they're strangers. It's a they're perfect strangers. <laughs> He's from Meepos, man. man. Meepos. They've you, never met. It's, uh, what a you know, it strikes
5: me, it strikes me, Jesse, that the Dukes of Hazzard, It's actually they're Bone Luke Duke of Hazard County, but then name. they're also the Dukes is in the rulers of. Hazard as in Hazard County, but then they're also Bo and Luke Duke of Hazard or Danger and Mayhem. But what? then on another <laughs> note, they're also the Dukes as in the Rulers or Sovereigns of
1: Hazard as in Danger or Mayhem. It, it, there's so many... Light, it, that, that is the, uh, just an onion, man. You just keep peeling, and keep, keep peeling.
3: I feel like you guys have a tag team stand-up routine just waiting to happen.
2: <laughs> 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 this is just a real... This is the tip of the iceberg of what those two, two are <laughs> getting. I feel
1: like we could do this with every TJ. I, Straight episode, yeah, TV I yeah. feel like I feel like there was a time in TV history <laughs> where
5: guys, guys family family matters, you know, cuz there's like different matters about family, but then guys think about this, family matters. <laughs> yeah, like, like
1: you mother. step, by step hey, go. Hey, mind blown. Literally never thought of. It. I'm pretty sure there's a time when TV shows were literally just reverse engineered from like common phrases <laughs> in the, the vernacular. they like, okay, people say small wonder right? What if it's a show about a small child who's also a robot that's a wonder of science? It's called Small small Wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about this? Major dad, okay? But he's a major in the military, but he's also, he's a major dad. He's also emotionally distant, which doesn't sound like it'd be a great comedy, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out.
3: Jesse, Jesse, it's amazing to me that these roll off your tongue, and yet... You cannot do the transition song puns to save your life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, uh, for this week's... now it's time for this week's
6: editorial question
1: of the week. Hey. So, uh, last so ear- earlier this uh, on the podcast, we we're talking about Bubba Watson want to improve the game of golf by introducing, uh, rocket packs, which honestly would literally improve any activity. How
2: it's not been done already <laughs> is beyond me. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, but we want to know from you, what is your idea to improve a sport? I think about these all the time. Like I like to watch sports. I like to play sports, but I feel like the older you get, the harder it is to be competitive at sports, but I've already thought of ways to, like, I don't like watching soccer, but I feel like if they put two balls out there yeah. <laughs> and it took away the goalies, it would be so much more
0: action. Right. Right. No, that's a great point. You're, you're so right. I mean,
1: I mean, think about amazing. that. It would be a, such a better game. OK, so here's another one. Like if the, even just metal bats in baseball and, you know, uh, pitchers have to throw underhand, I would want there be so many more home runs. It'd be
2: awesome. it be so amazing. Everything's basically a home run.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm all about doubles tennis, but what about quadruples tennis where there's four (laughs) people on each side of the court?
2: That's a great one. Uh, How about just any sport, but then they get to eat candy during it? exactly (laughs) so
1: we want to know from you (laughs) what are the best ways that you can improve sports get creative here uh the olympics are coming up so don't exclude olympics because most olympics especially summer games are really lame it's just people throwing stuff that is incredibly
2: hurtful you know i love the olympics
1: here's a big heavy ball see how the the guy can throw it the furthest yeah i was thinking (laughs) about
3: that if shot putting the (sighs) ball was just on fire
1: Exactly. Right. exactly there Yo, are tons th- these, that these <laughs> these sports are way like <laughs> introduce rollerblades to any sport I think God, it gets I better I
2: despise you can we please Jesse I'm talking to Jesse Joy you are an angel jo- <laughs> Jesse can we please just have five minutes of Olympic talk next week because we did this four years ago and it did not work out or two years ago with like the uh, Winter debating
1: Olympics. whether the Olympics are totally lame or... Uh, like why they're the best, <laughs> by far
2: the best sporting competition on the face of the earth.
1: Well, we can, but we'll probably do it in the context of Editorial Question of the Week because I want to know how people can improve those sports uh, by introducing new technology, changing the rules, or just making them more watchable or playable. <laughs> so you can... You can uh, because, <laughs> Lord knows, the Olympic ones aren't either. No one... I guarantee no one listening has ever even thrown a javelin. Much less, <laughs> less the 10 minutes watching it before you change the channel. And realize what you're, how boring it was, what you're watching. So, uh, go to the podcast page on relevantmagazine.com. Hit us up on Twitter uh, at relevant podcast, and uh, we'll try to read some of the responses on the show tomorrow. Well, guys, uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I had fun hosting, but I'm definitely going to re- relinquish the reins next week uh, for reasons that are clear to anyone who, who's, listened, <laughs> yeah. who's stuck yeah. around to this point. Yeah. But uh, thank you guys for bearing with me. Uh, uh, I had a lot of fun today. I think I thought it was great. It was great. Well, we also want to thank our sponsors, the Israel Tourism Board. Go to Israel.travel and discover a side of Israel you've never seen. Also, Movement Watches. That's movementwatches.com slash relevant. MVMT dot com slash relevant. And it'll give you 15% off your entire purchase. Also, thanks to our guest today, John Foreman. You can follow him at John Foreman at, on Twitter. And there's no H in that J O N Foreman on Twitter or at Switchfoot on Twitter, their new album, where the light shines through is available everywhere. And thank you to Jeremy Courtney. Uh, You can follow him at J court on Twitter and see more about some of the cool work they're doing and, and, and and try to support what they're doing at preemptive love.org. Also, H in that either.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. <laughs>
1: preemptive love. In case you don't know how to spell preemptive, there is no H in that. Uh, there's no H in most
2: uh, things. Sorry. Keep also going.
1: Also, don't forget to get the magazine. We got a new issue uh, uh, that, that, that recently came out. That is, I mean, we have so many great interviews in there uh, with Andre Day. We talked with uh, uh, Chuck Klosterman. We unpacked uh, an H a, a lot H. of,
2: there's an H in Chuck.
1: There is an H in <laughs> Chuck. The, you, you're right about that. I think there's yeah. one in Klosterman too. Uh, but we talked to a lot of interesting people, it, uh, uh, it's it's one of our favorite issues that we've done. Uh, you want to get the magazine now? You can subscribe at relevantmagazine.com uh, uh, to, to get the nope. to get the latest issue. Also, uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Relevant or at Relevant Podcast, and we're also on Facebook. Uh, we love uh, for you to check us out there. Again, no H's in, in
2: any of that. Shocking. Yeah, <laughs> H is There's such no, a if common. If you put letter. H's in any of
1: that, you will be redirected. I mean, in in
2: in, uh, 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 in Wheel of Fortune, it's one of the. T- top guest letters it must be h's so that's it's h and s yeah but uh guess. obviously but interesting no h in that well keep going <laughs>
4: well that's all we have for today so uh, uh
2: thanks to for listening everyone uh, have i'm jesse Carey. i'm joy i'm eddie with an h
0: i'm chandler Strang. oh with an h yeah a couple h's i'm adam smith
1: for cameron who's out on vacation we'll see you next week
0: Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe.
1: Because they're cousins that don't know each other but they are perfect for each other but they're strangers it's a they're perfect strangers
9: everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time